ninth chapter, the 49th chapter, and it covers a good bit in the 49th chapter, but we will cover the first three verses of the 49th chapter. And it reads, Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken ye people from afar. The Lord had called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother, had he made mention of my name. And he had made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he had hid me and made me a polished shaft. In the quiver of his hand, he hid me and said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. There's a whole much, that, that's so much in there, I can't cover that in the brief time that we have. And, you know, I'm still listening to different sermons and teachings on that from other preachers and everything. But I don't know how many of us go in and apply the Bible to us. In other words, the words, we put those words, because those words that the prophet Isaiah are using there, it's a second person in a type because... That's the words of Jesus Christ. That's the servant of the Lord. And it's used other places here where they say he had formed in the womb. Because just as Isaiah looked at it that way, it's talking about the servant Jesus Christ. It's talking about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But if we go to Jeremiah, we'll see where he formed Jeremiah in the womb. Jeremiah saying the same thing. All of us, when we are born again and God sends us, we start to take on his image and his likeness. So we have to do as he did. That, that's why he was our example. That's why he was born as a man, so that we would be able to do as he do. He was our example. He was our pattern. Paul uses that same analogy later on in the book. But we see here where he's a mediator between man and God. He was given a job in that first verse when it says, Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken ye people from afar. He's talking about his distant relatives, his distant people. Who are those people? If you go back to Genesis, the book of Genesis, after the flood, we'll see when Shem, Ham, Japheth, and all of Noah's sons and relatives that came off of the ark, they spread it. They went different ways. The isles are the people that are far off, the Gentiles, because Shem, nor less, more or less, is talking about the Semitic people, but the other sons of Noah formed the Gentiles, in which we all fall. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. That's the way of the world. So this is addressed to the Gentiles, and we see where he was given as a light to the Gentiles. That's why later on in this chapter we'll see, and that's why I say it's so much to cover. I didn't; I just broke it down at least in the three verses. We could maybe have a little topical discussion about that. But he was given as a light unto the Gentiles because it wasn't enough. If you go on and as you're studying this chapter, hopefully you study this chapter throughout the next two or three weeks. Six verses, and they said. It is a light thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserve of Israel. 
I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. Not just to the Jews, but just to everybody. We know Jesus Christ is for everybody. When you catch preachers singling out the Jews and all of this, uh, maybe an older preacher, a preacher that lacks a little bit of understanding, not understanding that Jesus came and he died for the sins of the whole world, not just the Jews. That he was a given as a light unto the Gentiles. We talked yesterday about that mediator that Job says he know his redeemer liveth. He knew Jesus as the redeemer. He knew God as, as going to be sending a redeemer. And I was telling you yesterday, we looked at chapter 48, where he was the redeemer. But we see here, well, he's a mediator. I don't know if you heard of mediators. A mediator is one that talks for another, but he talks to two different parties, two warring factors or two parties that are in negotiations or whatever, in arbitration, they give a mediator a power of authority. If the NFL Players Association, they want to strike, or they want to confer with the owners and everything, they have a mediator that listens to the arbitration between the two sides. If a union is wanting to ratify a contract and talk to the bosses and the employers or whatever, they normally have a mediator a goat between, and someone in between. Jesus Christ is our mediator. He's our mediator between us and God. Because we can't talk to God. We can't go to God. Brother Ice, the old man, you tell me or whatever, you, so you can't go to God. Now, you can't go to God. And my mother was talking about God the Father, whatever. You know, we can't go to God. We have to go to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has to... That's why he came and died to be able to, well, we can petition the Father. That's why when he signals out and say, now pray our Father, he, he, after he adopted us into the family, is only then was legally could we pray to the Father in his name. The our Father prayer is not for everybody. That's why you don't, a lot of people, see a lot of people talking about that prayer before others because God is not everybody's Father. That's why Jesus told the Jews during his day. You remember the Jews? He said, no, you of your father, the devil. Yep. See, because there are two different seeds in the earth. And I think you're on a fool's errand trying to reconcile goats into sheep. That's not possible. But God had sent Jesus as a mediator to his people. Here's a little battle going on in the book of Numbers after they came out of Egypt. Numbers, the 16th chapter in the fifth verse, where it says, And he spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, In the morning the Lord will show who belongs to him and who is holy and will bring him near to himself. The one whom he will choose he will bring near to himself. Remember, Korah was telling Moses, that they all were holy, that they all was God's people, and that they can speak to or whatever, which is not the case. That's what I was telling you. We all are not God's people. In a, in a sense, God is sovereignty. All souls belong to him, but some souls are condemned to death. You know, they, they have original sin that won't be converted. And here, Korah and them, God had gave them a jo job of attending to the 
vessels and the tools of the sanctuary, but not of speaking. That's where you get false prophets and false teachers and things. And God doesn't commission everybody to speak for him or represent him or authorize him. And that's where the money, it becomes very lucrative. A lot of people are speaking. And that's the problem in religion today is a lot of people speaking, but God had not sent them. And he says, I hadn't sent that person. You can learn the scripture. There's a lot of preachers and teachers out there that are wolves in sheep's clothing that will fleece the flock. God causes us to come near him. We do not go to him on our own. We, like I say, we can't go to God. He causes us to come near. He draws us near to him. If he did not do what he does, we would never draw near to God because of our sinful state of we're, we're enmity with God. We're enemies to God. When you say enmity, that's the one that always be an enemy. It has to be Jesus Christ to come in and reconcile us to God, put us back in a condition because of what I was talking about yesterday, propitiation and expiation. Is that with God's nature as being holy, he's angry with the sinners every day. You know, even the plowing of the wicked is sin to God. You just breathing in wicked and evil is at enmity with God because he can't, you can't abide. Darkness can't stand in the presence of God. God is holy and pure. That's why he told Moses, you can't see my glory. You can't come before me, you know. And see, that that's what we didn't water God down to people playing with him on on television and playing with church and playing. We don't have a proper reverence for God as we should. And he ain't, herein lies the problem. Uh, John 6 and 44, his work enables us to come into his presence. The work of Jesus Christ, the mediator between us and God, has set the stage by his blood, which will partake of symbolically in the Lord's Supper this coming Saturday is that his blood by being covered by his blood, his blood that was shed for us, that's our covering. He acts as atonement for us. He offered a a covering for us to come into his presence. The book of John 6 chapter 44 verse says, no one can come to me unless the father who had sent me draws him. You couldn't even come to Jesus unless God drew you to him. So, you know, a lot of preachers preaching and thinking that they're getting people converted or whatever. Conversion is not up to the preacher. <clears throat> As Paul told the Corinthians, he said, Paulus watered, uh, I planted the seed, but God give it the increase. You know, you can preach all day long, but just hearing the word, God has to sin and give you faith to hear. He has to give you hearing ears. So just because people go to church and hear preaching and teaching, that doesn't mean they have ears to hear the word of God. That's why Jesus said he with ears to hear. It's something God has to do to you. He has to fix you. He has to draw you to him. He has the there's an apparatus that's going and that's why church is so complicated and we've uncomplicated it. Because you have to study to show yourself approved. You have to be a doer of God's word. You have to walk in God's word. But a lot of people say they just accepted Christ and they don't realize it's in the Bible that God says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. How can you accept me? You can't reach out and accept Christ because we're dead. 
why we needed Jesus Christ. It says, no one can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draws him. That is, God has to give us the desire to come to him. That's why a lot of people, you can tell them about church, and they say they're going to church or whatever, but they don't really have a desire to go to church. They might want the thing that's offered from being a Christian or going to church or whatever. But so far as there's a desire to do it, they have too many other things going. They love the world and the things of the world more than God. God has to come into their lives and fix them and give them a desire, a hunger to follow after him. Uh, he says, and I will raise him up from the dead that he is quicken him. He makes a, makes them alive. That's why a lot of people you see, they spiritually progress more than other people because they are hungering and thirsting for righteousness to be fixed by God. And God acts in regeneration. It's a transformation of that person to a greater and greater percentage of that person is being used by God. That's why he says he must increase and I must decrease. So your desires and what you want and doing and everything, it has to die. You have to die to self. That's a struggle putting the old man to death. That's why it's only a few. What God's dealing with now, the first fruits. In the church, when he says the first fruits, those are the type of Christ. Those are the ones that's in the church that he's preparing to be a royal priesthood. The church, you you go rule and reign with Christ, a royal priesthood. And that doesn't mean everybody in the church because there's a many a call, but only a few chosen because people think just by being called into the church, God has chosen them, and that's not necessarily so. There's a chosen few that he has chosen as this royal priesthood, and those people can identify with these first three verses because he begins to change their tongue. He begins to change their words, their manner of life, their thinking, that outlook toward life and toward people, they become as Christ, as little Christ. That's where the word Christians come from. It's Christ-like. Coming near to God is a priest calling. In the Roman Catholic Church, you see the priest or whatever. And the priest, a lot of people, now the Catholics have it a bit wrong. But the you go before the priest, you pray to the priest, and the priest absorbs you or call you confess to the priest or whatever, but it, it, you're really supposed to confess your sins to one another, but confess them to God. You go to God. Jesus has made it so you can boldly approach the throne of grace and talk to the Father in his name. But that's if you're a son of God, if you're a child of God. And that's what I say. We are practicing or we are priesthood that's being trained up for God but that's not everybody in the church. That's to the chosen, uh, to the elect in the church. Okay? Yes. A priest work is essentially mediatorial. And you remember as I was telling you about that arbitrator or whatever. The priest talks to man for God. In other words, do you remember Moses told Aaron that he would be a God to him and that Instead of Moses talking to the people, Moses would talk to God and go tell Aaron what God had said, and then Aaron would tell the people. 
That's what a priest does. A priest makes intercession to the people before God. Remember the people say we can't go before God. We're scared to talk to God. That's what the priest's job. That's the preacher. That's the messenger of God's job is to get there and hear what God's saying and then go give it to the people as to what God had said. The problem comes if you don't have a preacher. That's why he says, how can they hear without a preacher? How can he preach unless he be sent? So we see the problem in the nation today. There's a lot of preachers, but they're not sent because they're not effectively changing the lives of the people, of the mass majority of the people that are claiming to be Christian. He's like a, he's, he's much like a bridge between God and the people, what a priest is, and that's what Jesus is. That's why each day we talk to Jesus Christ, and I was telling y'all yesterday about the manifestation of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ, that each person that's a priest, in other words, that's part of the church, you should have such a personal relationship with God that Jesus Christ is talking to you and you able to witness and talk to other people. That's the growing relationship. That's why you could be fruitful is because God's sending you and you living a life where it draws other people or you want to tell other people what God has said. And that's where the line of demarcation becomes. That's why some relatives hate other relatives more. People on the job don't like this guy as much or whatever because this guy is like John the Baptist or whatever. He's pretty ascetic. You remember Joseph Bell in high school or whatever. It's because this guy is specifically for religion. This guy is specifically for God. And if you say the wrong thing or do the wrong way, he's going to tell you about it. He has a sharp tongue, but he learns, to, he says a polished tongue. In other words, he knows how to use his words. He's not using his words to maim or hurt, but he does warn you and keep you with the serious, seriousness of being focused upon God because I'm an ambassador to God. What you do to me, you're saying to a representative of God, you have to give account for that. We were talking about that yesterday, about every transgression, everything if you've done to me, I've learned to let it roll off my back like water off a duck back, but you have to pay for God for even every idle word you say, for all the things that's happening. So that's how a life grows toward God. This is keying us in into what our job is, is that if we're to be little Christ, we're to we're learning to effectively, as I asked you today, when I told you the young man asked me to pray for him. Well, he don't feel that his life is going or whatever, and he's not in church or whatever, but he wants me to intercede. He wants me to pray to God. Now I say, I'll pray to God for you or whatever. But it effectively, a lot of things I've told him in his life, and I, hopefully it's having some effect and that's a sign that it may having effect because I tell him about different things when he do it because this is wrong and this sinful as I was talking to one of my sons this morning that stays over of Meridale where Don Ray used to stay and I was telling him some things or whatever because as an ambassador to God you always have to have God's interest at heart in that other, that the man or the person that you talk to, their interests at heart, but you have to be able to warn them because God doesn't take this lightly. 
And that's why I say we're taking it too lightly. We're taking uh, sexuality and sin and the things that, that's involved in sin lightly. And we're making God, we're bringing him down into our image and likeness instead of we going to his image and likeness. We have an awesome responsibility and Job realized and had that responsibility. Let me get to this before I, I pass it up since you had talked about Job and I was telling you Job uh, needed a media. You remember yesterday that I was telling you he said his redeemer lived or whatever. But that whole conversation with God, and you've read the you know, I've read the book of Job. If you read that, he's trying to call God on the carpet and fault God for what's going on. That's why when God calls comes out, you notice that he never addresses Job in a way that Job thought he was, and he said, Well, stand up, gird up your loins like a man. You answer me this, and you answer the way he came after. To Job, and then Job started getting fearful and scared, and he says, I, I knew not what I was saying. I didn't understand. Because God doesn't have to answer us uh, our questions and things in the way we want. Let me do the ninth chapter of Job. He was at the 19th chapter. But go to the ninth chapter of Job. Where, and, you know, his three friends was going back and forth and telling Job, well, Job, you shouldn't be saying that. You shouldn't be talking. Elihu said it. Now, they were wrong in the way they were talking and what they were saying. Some of it may have been in the longs of, the lines of biblic, Bible or scriptural, but it wasn't applicable to Job. That's what I said. It's a lot bit more complicated than people think. Going to church and studying the word of God and how do you use scripture? There's a lot of scripture there and you can use it wrong. And they were using it wrongly, which would have cost them their lives if Job hadn't interceded and prayed for them. But as Elihu had told Job and he told Job, Job, you shouldn't be saying these things this way. But God's the one who called him on the carpet. But listen to the ninth chapter, Job. I'm just going to read a few verses here and then go down to the ninth, the, the, the thirty first verse. The first verse says, Then Job answered and said, I know it is a so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? If he will contend with him, he, he cannot answer him one of a thousand. He is a wise, he is a wise in heart and mighty in strength who had hardened himself against him and had prospered, which would remove it mountains, and they know not which overturneth them in his anger, which shaketh the earth out of her place and the pillars thereof, which commanded the sun and it riseth not, which spread it out to heavens, which make it all of us uh, Arians, Orion, and Pleiades in the chambers of the south, which do it great wonders. He, so he's magnifying God. He says about God's anger and addressing God. But what he wanted between him and God was a mediator. He wanted someone to take both of them and understand what both of them are saying. Listen to the ninth verse. Don't read this in the King James Version. He says, if I be wicked, why then labor I in vain? My hands... Why then do I labor in vain if I wash myself with snow water and make my hands ever so clean? Yet shall thou plunge me in the ditch and my own clothes shall abhor me. 
for he is not a man as I am, that I should answer him, and we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any days man between us that might lay his hands upon us both. Let him take his rod away from me, and let not his fear terrify me. Then I would speak and not fear him. But if it's not so with me, oh, you want somebody to stand between you and God and say, look, God, you stand here. Job, you stand here. And so you won't be afraid to call God to the topic or whatever. In the Amplified Version, that verse reads, uh, And I cannot defend myself, for you are no mere man as I am. I am, if you were, then we could discuss it. Fairly. You're saying God is not fair because what has happened to you or what's going on that you can discuss it fairly with God. But there is no umpire between us, no middleman, no mediator to bring us together. Oh, let him stop beating me so that I need no longer live in terror of his punishment. Then I could speak without fear to him and then tell him boldly that I'm not guilty. Oh, that's what you could tell God, huh? And God said, Deacon, would you turn that heat that up just a little bit? You know, I cut this off when you left out of there. So none of this is on there. So I'm going to have to go back and read this chapter of Isaiah. It says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And after he started spiritually understanding and he saw God, he realized that everybody again was around him was going to be against him and not hear him. And God says that he wanted him to go and tell the people what God's word said. And he volunteered to go. He says, Lord, here I am, send me. And he laid his hand up on my mouth. And say, Lo, this has touched thine lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thine sin purged. In other words, he gave him a tongue to speak, that sharp tongue, that piercing tongue to go speak and preach God's word. Also, he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom will I send, and who will go for, him, for us? When he says us, he's talking about the Godhead. He's talking about God, Jesus, and the Spirit. Then said I, here I am, sent me. And he said, go and tell these people, hear indeed, but understand not, and see indeed, and perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and be converted, and I heal them. In other words, I'm going to send you to preach to these people. They will hear you preaching, but they're not going to understand what you're saying. Their ears are not going to be able to comprehend or make sense of what you're saying. They will be able to see with their eyes, but they're not going to be able to see. You remember when somebody says, I, can, I see what you're saying now? They're not going to be able to see what he's saying. He's not going to convert them. He wanted to destroy those people, but you have to give them warning. The preaching was the warning. But since they had rejected him, rejected his word, he's going to warn them and tell them, but they're not going to be able to comprehend and turn from their sin. So Isaiah wasn't to be disturbed that the people wasn't following him, that 
you know, sometimes your children won't listen at you. Sometimes parents or people on the job, don't be afraid of that. That That's what Jeremiah was saying. Lord, you deceived me. I'm not going to preach for you anymore. But he tuned up the spirit in Jeremiah. And Jeremiah says he can't help from but to preach and teach because it's like fire shut up in his bones. This is a much rejected message. This is a message that God, Jesus Christ, killed. But don't let that deter or turn you away from God. And Jesus Christ, when he died, you remember the thousands that were following him or whatever? When he died on the cross, it was only the women, Mary and Mary Magdalene, his mother and them, was at the foot of the cross. The rest of the disciples had ran off and left him. And a few days later, it was 120 in the upper room that was closed in that room according to fear. And when the soldiers came, Peter denied he ever knew him. He rejected him. So where were the thousands and the many people that followed Christ? They all abandoned him. So it looked like a failed project to them. Remember, Peter and them went back a fishing. But now look how Christianity has grown. And now they're trying to duplicate it. It's Satan ministers. Our hearts are transferred into ministers of darkness. They are in darkness, but they're preaching and teaching the gospel. Years ago, you would have to buy that watchtower and that other book that the Jehovah Witnesses had. But now they just give them away. My aunt used to be a Jehovah Witness before she passed or whatever. I had, I know a few people that are Jehovah Witnesses. The Jehovah Witnesses used to, wouldn't use the name of Jesus or whatever, but in the, the last 20, 25 years, they've started to acknowledge that he is a God and they use the name of Jesus much more than they have. That's because of the power that's in that name. But see, that's why God condemns man is by using the preaching and teaching because then he condemns sin in the flesh. And that's, like I said, that's the worst thing is to be a religious hypocrite. That's the worst thing is to use his name in vain. That's being apostate or turn away from God. See, because now you're deceiving others. That's why he says it's worse to be a false teacher or preacher because not only you're deceiving yourself, you're deceiving others and leading others away. And that's what the Spirit does. It condemns sin in the flesh for the destruction of the flesh. But God has those that he's saving. But as a mediator, you have to keep talking to the arbitrator. In mediations, you have to talk to them. So you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ looking out for your interest before God. Unlike Job saying that the mediator put his hands on both of them. No, Jesus Christ as our high priest, he's understanding our side of it, but he's unchanging because he's the son of God. It's immutable. So he's communicating. If you've seen God, you've seen, if you've seen Jesus Christ, you've seen the father. It's just that now you have someone that, feels what you feel it, that can identify with you. It's like, that's why political leaders or whatever, you see them, 
acting like they're driving cars or driving tractors or doing that they identify with the little man. They identify with these people. George Bush Sr., George H. Bush, when he was running, President Clinton got him because President Clinton could, you remember they asked him how much was a loaf of bread, and he said it was about 2 or $3 or whatever, whereas George Bush didn't know the price of bread because he doesn't, don't buy bread. He can't identify with people that are in lower stages, that are in poverty or whatever. That was one thing about Mick Romney, that Ann Romney was talking about. She remember ironing and eating tuna out the can, which was wrong or whatever. She didn't. You know, that's why Paul says to a Jew, he became a Jew. It's easier when you could identify with the people that you're, that you're leading in Christ can identify with us because all that we've been through, he's been through before. Friends betraying you. Brothers betraying you. That's why Joseph was a type of Christ because Jesus' brothers didn't like Jesus. They tried to send him to Jerusalem. They talked against Jesus until after his crucifixion is when James and Joseph started, I mean, Jews began to follow his teaching and they, they realized who he was because even though they grew up with him, they didn't see the difference in he was that he was the son of God. It's hard to look at you, that your brother is somebody that you're not. Remember Joseph's brothers, they tried to kill him and they throw him in the pit because Joseph said that one day that they was going to bow down to him. And that's why I say humanity is like crabs in a barrel. They envious, they jealous, and they have all of these other tendencies that are not Christ-like. And only Christ can change those things. So we have to realize that when he makes us a priest, a mediator, we start being able to identify with the sinner. We be able to identify and to petition God on his behalf because we've been through that. We know what it is for people to lie on us. We know what it is for people to hate you in this different way and, and how both sides of the matter is. You're able to see both sides because now you're becoming a spiritual man and you're trying to change, get them to become caterpillars. I mean, become butterflies. You, you, you're not going to become a caterpillar yourself. You're not going to go back to crawling. on. You're going to stay what? Flying. You're going to stay above the fray. We can't get down in the dirt. As Jesse Jackson said, to hold a man down in the ditch, you have to stay in the ditch with him. You have to, the only way that you can get out of that ditch and from holding him down is to get up and let him go and go your way. So don't let people hold you in the ditch with them because of feelings and emotions and everything. When you become spiritual, sometimes it seems cold-hearted. But as a mediator, you have to be able to be this way. Heavenly Father, as I come before you this day, Lord, 